0: Have you ever finished a round of disc golf and just oof, grabbing your arm, stretching it, massaging it, just really sore in the shoulder and in the tricep and in your back a little bit? And we're not talking like you've just played 180 holes of golf or something, but one, maybe two rounds. If you've ever felt that, I have some good news for you. You can say goodbye to sore shoulders, and hello to further distance with today's one tip and drill that's going to help you improve your form, get better distance, and minimize and hopefully eliminate any pain and uh, and unnecessary soreness that you might be having. hey everybody what is up it's antonio welcome to episode 30 of teach play disc golf a gladiator disc golf podcast i am so excited to have you with me here today i have some really fun and some cool stuff planned for us we're going to talk about this disc golf skill that i was just alluding to it deals with our form but we have a drill as well that we're going to touch on that can help us and you can do this drill anywhere Uh, after that We don't have a disc review, but we have a bag review, the first ever Gladiator Disc Golf or Teach Play Disc Golf uh, bag review. Uh, I'm super excited to share my thoughts about this one particular bag. And then we will recap the USW DGC and talk about just mentioning some of the upcoming tournaments. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's get right into it. Okay, last year I published a video talking about our elbow in disc golf. Okay, the, of the throwing arm itself. So whether you're left or you're right, just think about your throwing arm, that elbow. Okay, I wanted to revisit this concept though, even though I published a video last year. One, it's always good to revisit ideas and uh, challenge some learnings, maybe, or share new learnings. But because, and because of that, not but, but because of that. I learned some new things this past week, and I want, so I wanted to revisit this concept, and the things that I learned in the last week really brought this video back to the forefront of my mind. So, little backstory. I was talking with Tanner McCartney. You guys have heard me mention him before. I mentioned him uh, two episodes ago. And by the way, if you haven't, make sure you go check out uh, Tanner's Instagram and let me know what you thought of that episode because I want to start having some people on the show, and I would love to have Tanner on the show. So if you're interested in that, make sure you comment, message me on uh, Discord or on Instagram. Let me know what you think about that. But I was talking to Tanner about my form, you know, and I would I asked him some uh, specific questions, but the first thing he pointed out is that I was dropping my elbow, which was causing me to rotate too fast. Now, I remember about a year and a half ago working with Cade and working on a lot of different things. I published a video that was basically like 11 tips on how to improve form from a biomechanist and uh, there was a lot of good stuff in there. We talked about the elbow in that video. We worked on some drills that I could do. But in that conversation with Kay, one of the things that he taught me was, you know, you have to learn how to, one, teach using different language because something may resonate with someone that uh, a specific way you say it may not resonate with them. So you have to change the way you explain things to find something that resonates. And that lesson hit here because the moment that Tanner pointed out that I was dropping my elbow, which was causing my... Uh, early and quick and over-rotation, so to speak, and was causing me to rotate too fast was really the culprit of a lot of the issues that I was having. And I had never specifically thought of that or been told that with my form. And that put a light bulb in my head. And I'm super grateful that that happened because when I looked at my form again in several other videos that I had on my phone, I saw exactly what he was talking about. So for those of you who are watching the video on Spotify or on YouTube, uh, I'll show you. And for those who are just listening, I'll explain it. So when I looked at my form, what was happening is that instead of my elbow pointing out towards the target and sort of forming this flat box with my chest and my shoulder, my elbow was as it was coming, was actually coming down. And so if I was to extend my arm straight, instead of my arm extending out away from me, my arm was extending down towards my feet because that was how I was dropping my elbow and it's a hinge joint. So it goes up and down, it doesn't swivel, right? And so when I would open my arm, my elbow was coming down. And so I was having to naturally compensate for for this and also dropping that elbow down instead of keeping it up and popping my hand out was causing me to rotate too fast. This was this is a big problem, not entirely rid of it yet. I'm working on it. So, <clears throat> with that being said, I noticed this, I recognized it and I understood the problem that it was. I did what any disc golfer should do and I took Tanner's advice and i watched a video from yanni going places if you don't know who yanni is check it out on instagram yanni going places Uh, i believe he is Finnish, but I haven't actually checked that I know he I, I believe he's from one of the Scandinavian countries and he has a lot of great uh, disc golf tips and drills and just ways to improve form and really tackles some misconceptions in the disc golf coaching world which I really appreciate I have learned so much from him and this is one of those things there's a video where he talks about the elbow position and so I took what Tanner said took what Yanni said and I put it together And it all made sense in my brain. But now came the hard part. All right. It made sense up here in my head. But is it going to make sense down here on my elbow with my shoulder? This, that, and the other thing. So that's the hard part is doing it. But thankfully, thankfully, this past weekend, I was able to play a lot of disc golf. So I could actually work on this. I could... Take these tips, these things that I learned online and from talking with people, and just really start to implement it in my game. Now when you're doing this brand new, there's a lot of old muscle memory you're having to work through. So not every throw was perfect, not every throw was exactly what I was wanting, but there were multiple times where I felt the difference. I felt the change that I was making in every throw that had that feeling was so much better. So I'm still working on it. I'm getting comfortable with it. It's very weird for me because I've, for years, I guess I've been dropping this elbow low and now I'm keeping it up. And anytime I would talk about the power pocket, yeah, I have my elbow up to show that to people, but then I go and throw and my elbow's coming down. And so I'm not following my, my own rules. I'm not following my own teaching and coaching. So this was very, very helpful. So now, okay, It's a little weird feeling. I'm getting comfortable with it. I'm noticing the positive effects. Now, how can you do this? Now, this drill that I mentioned, you can literally do anywhere. I'm talking laying down in bed, sitting in the office at your desk, sitting on the couch, watching disc golf in the car, driving, although do be careful, (laughs) okay? Basically what it is, the drill has three simple steps. Step number one, Make the power pocket in line with your shoulder. So uh, that that in line with your shoulder is just to make sure that you are not e- extending out or extending in front of you. As if you thought I want you to form that power pocket, okay, in front of you, perfectly in line with the shoulder up top here. I want you to come higher than you normally do. That's really what I'm getting at here. I want to emphasize that. Get higher on your shoulder. Now lower your forearm and elbow just an inch or two. Okay, this is kind of where it should be lining up with the mid to top of your pec muscles. Okay, you want to be lining up there. So you should still have this fairly flat box that's being formed, although your elbow is not higher than your shoulder, and it's a little lower than your shoulder, but not much. Your elbow is definitely not coming down to the side. So number one, make the power pocket in line with your shoulder. Number two, lower your forearm and elbow an inch or two. Not super low, but just enough to sort of get in a more comfortable throwing position. Number three, and I'm gonna slide back for this so I don't hit my microphone and shift to the side a little. Number three is to swing your elbow out from the power pocket to your follow through. Now this is the part that you may not necessarily be able to do while you're sitting you know, on the couch in your car or anything, but you can start to get the idea As you rotate, if you have a swivel chair, you can kind of do this a little bit too. Go from the power pocket to the follow through. And if you notice, your elbow and your your upper arm, obviously on a full power throw, it's going to come swing around. That's understandable. But in this particular drill, that elbow and that upper arm is not moving a ton as you pop the lower part of your arm, your forearm and wrist out from your body on that 10 o'clock line. And so which is something that I've talked about before on this channel. So this drill just kind of helps you get comfortable with this motion. Now obviously we are not in an active throwing motion while doing this, which means I, I, I point that out because we wouldn't actually be pulling the disc across our chest and popping it out with our shoulder and our elbow when we're throwing but I want us to get comfortable with this motion. If you are struggling with dropping the elbow like I am, okay, or you're not sure if you're doing this and you need to make some adjustments, this drill's going to help with that. But just know that you just wanna get comfortable with this position. You're not gonna be actively using the muscles when you're actually throwing in this position. So some tips to help with this, lead with your elbow. Okay. Then think of popping your arm out at 10 o'clock for that snap and release that we all want. Don't swing your arm willy nilly. If you're standing and doing this, don't just like be flinging your arm back and forth. Use your hips and your off arm to generate the gliding movement forward and the eventual rotation from the follow through. Okay. You want to have all those things coming into play here. These are some tips to help with this drill, help scale it up into your more natural form. And then obviously, one of the things that you'll want to do is visualize what you are doing. So if you have, if you, you know, if you have a mirror in your bedroom and it's big enough that you can do this, you can do that. I strongly recommend recording yourself so that you can actually focus on what you're doing instead of trying to watch yourself in a mirror. Record yourself, watch the video. Okay. Start doing this on standstills to minimize the movements that will distract you, okay? I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with throwing standstills, but if you, I am a firm believer, and I I believe I, you know, some people disagree with this, but if you don't have a solid foundation with a standstill, you will never have the kind of x-step and full power throw that you actually want, okay? The standstill translates to the X step. The X step doesn't necessarily translate to the standstill. So work on this with your standstill to then scale it into your full X step, your full power throw, okay? And on top of that, throw into a net. That will just be so helpful. So you can actually throw a disc get that weight in your hand, get comfortable with the way it's feeling and then not have to retrieve it. We're not looking to see how the disc is reacting at this point. This is very much a form and mechanics kind of thing. So go ahead and work on that. Um, I am excited to be working on this. I am so looking forward to tackling this over the next couple of weeks and really fixing this issue because I feel good about a lot of my form, but I am so excited to get rid of some of this uh shoulder soreness and pain from dropping the shoulder that I've dealt with for a while. And I'm really hoping that this will help alleviate a lot of that because I'm not gonna be putting that unnecessary stress on my shoulder by dropping my elbow to then pop this disc out. So I'm super excited. I hope that you found this drill and this tip super helpful. If you need help with this skill, make sure you send me a video on GiveGo. You can get a free session when you use the code Regiro, okay, and I can coach you. I'll give you audio feedback, visual feedback, and I can coach back and forth with you. Or if you just have a question, you can message me on GiveGo, Instagram, Discord, anywhere, or comment down below here on this video if you're on YouTube. So that is the tip for today. I hope you guys found it helpful. Now let's go ahead And let's go into our first ever bag review. Hey, everybody, before we get into the bag review, if you're enjoying this episode of Teach, Play, Disc Golf, go ahead and give it a thumbs up, comment down below, share with your friends, or leave a review on your favorite podcasting app. It means so much to me to read your comments and to see your appreciation. And it lets the rest of the disc golf world know that they need to tune in and listen and learn the things that you're learning. Alrighty, let's go ahead and let's get to the bag review. Alright, today's bag review is sponsored by Squatch Disc Golf. I am so excited to share this with you. I've never done a bag review before. I've done plenty of disc reviews, never a bag review, but I'm very excited for this. Um, In case you don't know, I'll just be uh, very forthright and upfront about it. I am uh, sponsored by Squatch Disc Golf for over a year now. And I've had the Legend for a while, you know that during that entire time. And I, but I believe it is the second version of the Legend. And I gotta say, love the bag. It's a great bag. It can hold so much. There are so many good things about the Legend. I was keeping it full. More or less. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't one of those people that had like five putters up top, four putters in the side pockets, and carrying forty discs. That's never been me. But I was keeping the main compartment full. I had a couple putters up top, and I had the main compartment flap have a disc in it. Normally, my approach disc. I was doing that for a while, and then over the last uh, six to eight months, I've been really paring down my bag simplifying a lot of things a lot of it has coincided with my backhand form improvement and just focusing on those things and what was happening is i was kind of getting frustrated with how big the legend was i was not needing that much space it had way more than i was needing but at the time of joining the team the legend is all that was available and that's totally fine it was a great bag it is a great bag but I was needing something smaller. So I messaged Squatch Disc Golf several months ago and just kind of asked them about this. I know they have the link and I was looking at the link online, but I just was realizing that, okay, yes, the link looks very different from the Legend, but it still holds too many discs. And my personal preference, I don't like the... uh, the, the back with the, the slots coming down on it. I just don't like that. I've had a bag similar to that before, and I just didn't like those kinds of pockets very much. So I wasn't really interested in the link. But they said that they were in process of creating a smaller bag. This is probably going back to April, March, I was asking them about this. Um, and so last week, Squatch sent me, and I'll pull it up here, the lore I... Love this bag so, so much. I have been thoroughly impressed with it. I got it in the orange, okay? And by the way, I'm going to be posting a full bag review on my channel, the first non-podcast episode in months, and I'm super excited about that. So I'm just gonna kinda go into some high-level details here, and you'll get some more nitty-gritty details in that episode. But they sent me the lore, I appreciate it so much, and I've been really impressed with this. So I wanted to share some pros and cons. I actually have five pros and four cons, one of which uh, is more just a, uh, might be a con for some other people, not so much for me. So first things first, the pros is that it holds fewer discs, okay? It's significantly smaller than the Legend. It holds fewer discs, and I really like that. When I'm wanting a small bag, yes, I want to maximize its capability, but I don't just want something smaller that still holds so much and feels like the discs are just sliding around. So I love that. It holds fewer discs. Number two, it's smaller than the Legend. So with number three, it's lightweight. It's gonna be lighter on the back. It's smaller frame. It doesn't take up as much space in your closet, near your desk, in your car, this, that, and the other thing. The other thing that's really cool about this is that up top here, they have these uh, D-rings. And so they have a couple of them around the bag, I believe four of them. And those D-rings are really cool because it's perfect for carabiners or clips, whether it's tags, towels, Um, I have a chalk bag, you know, whatever you want to put up there. You can also take, um, what what did uh, Tony call it in the video? Basically, um, like a, a, a bungee with a bead, on the bungee and wrap it around and so you can use the D rings to basically help hold a towel, help hold as a stool or a tripod if you have that with you. So there's a lot of options with the D rings. And then they also have some really well designed pockets. Now the side pockets are a little more condensed than on the Legend, but you still have two big side pockets that are well designed and hidden. And in the full review on my channel I'll go into more details there. But Very well-designed pockets, the D-rings, it's lightweight, it's smaller than the Legend, it holds fewer discs. Check, 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 check. Okay, I've been really happy with the pros of this bag. Now some cons, some things I wasn't expecting. My Legend, okay, and I haven't actually looked at a newer Legend, so it could be, this could be a feature that is no longer available, but my Legend has the cell phone pocket on the outside and I've used that all the time. Okay, it's so easy to access my phone. The Lore does not have that phone pocket. Also, I do have a water bladder. I like to carry a water bottle with me too, but a lot of times I'll use a a water bladder or like a Camelback kind of thing. And on the Lore, it's one liter, whereas in the Legend, it's two liters. So that's another con. It's a smaller water container, but smaller bag, so it makes sense. Uh, But just to be aware of that. The third thing, and this is where I actually like this feature, but I think for a lot of players, it's not something they're necessarily going to love about it. I love that the main compartment flap okay, is only big enough for a mini. You cannot actually put an approach disc in this pocket. It is only a mini that uh, will actually fit in here. And I like that a lot. It gives the mini... uh, so it adds to the design a little bit of the bag with that color. And also, I think it just makes it easier to access the Mini versus having to find it in a, you know, the main top putter pocket or somewhere else. So I really like that, but some players may wish that they would be able to put their go-to disc in that pocket. It won't fit. I tried to figure out what it was, and it was the Mini, and I was pleasantly surprised with how much I liked it. The other, the fourth and final con for the bag, for some players, uh, well, really for everyone, is you're going to have to learn how to use the straps. The straps are a little bit different, but I will say the the team at Squatch Disc Golf puts this little QR code in the bag to show you how to. Um, how to use the straps and how to set them up and all that. And also Tony has a video on the Squatch Instagram page where he talks about the bag. It's a pretty lengthy video, but if you just kind of scan through, you'll see the part where he talks about the straps. And so that's about with three minutes left in the video, if I'm remembering correctly. So very, very helpful instructions included because the straps are a little different than uh, a lot of other bags out there, but the features that they have on it are really cool, and that kind of ties back into some of the pros. But I have been so pleased overall with this bag. It has been great. I got to use it this weekend. I used it where I was playing with some friends, and it was, you know, the bag was only for me. And then I went and took my dogs with me and said, you know, one, I wanted to get them some exercise. They love coming to the disc golf course. But I also wanted to test the capabilities of the lure before sharing it with you. And I got to say, I had leashes. I had a water bottle specifically for the dogs. I had a water bowl. I had poop bags. Okay. I had everything I would need for the dogs. And the bag was still light. It held everything. It wasn't cumbersome. It was great. And so I will just say, obviously I'm talking up the lore really big, but the lore is meeting my needs, okay? Neither bag, truthfully, is better than the other. I think there's a lot of great things about the legend, and I still have my legend. I'm not getting rid of my legend or anything. I love that bag, but... The needs that I have right now, the lore is meeting those a lot better. And so really the best bag for you is going to depend on what you need. Do you need to carry a lot more discs than me? Do you have a lot more uh, things in the side pockets? Maybe you live in a climate where the weather is way more unpredictable, so you need to have access to sort of uh, a, a rain jacket or a rain fly and Other things, whereas where I live, the weather's not going to change that quickly on me. So I will just say that your needs will dictate which bag is right for you. I like both of them, but I've been so, so pleased with the lore. And if you want to buy a lore or maybe uh, maybe this bag review convinced you that actually you want a legend, because I will say this, at least on the website... Uh, The lore says it has a 21 disc capacity where I'm pretty sure the legend has up to like a 40 disc capacity, maybe even more. Now you can finagle some ways to get more than 20 discs into the lore, but um, you can fit very comfortably like 21 plus uh, 21 discs in there. So um, anyway... If you're ready to buy a lure, or this just convinced you that, hey, you know what, I want the bigger bag with the more storage and you want a legend, if you go to Squatch Disc Golf and use code Gladiator at checkout, not only do you save on shipping, which is like 20, $25, you save that, okay? But every time you use the code, so when you use the code, I get a little kickback from Squatch too. And so you save money and you support me. And I just really appreciate that if you do that. So not at all saying you need to go buy the bag right now. But if you are interested, whether it's in the lore or you're convinced that you actually want a legend, go ahead and use code Gladiator at checkout to save on shipping and support me. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Now let's go ahead and let's talk about the USWDGC. Okay, so this past weekend, we had the United States Women Disc Golf Championship, and it was freaking awesome. It was so, so cool. Um, My grip six picks, not so cool. Uh, A couple of the women that I selected struggled a little bit, but this course was tough, okay? This course was tough. The regulator was a tough, tough layout. Watching some of those holes that they were playing, I was like, man, man. That is not easy, but it was so cool. It was so nice seeing a new course. It was so nice just seeing so many women at different times, um, in the lead, taking the lead, losing the lead and so many opportunities. And, you know, you could be having a good round and then you have one bad hole, especially on the final day and you lose it. You know, that kind of happened to Hannah Blomroos and so, um, uh, It was just tons of emotions, tons of lead changes. Kristen Tatar, I don't even think was on lead card going into round two, uh, or uh, even leading. Uh, She struggled day one. I think she shot over par, but no surprise, it all came down to the same result. In case you haven't heard, I don't believe in spoilers here on this channel. This sport is produced live. There is post-produced. It is all over social media and the internet. So... I don't believe in spoilers anymore. So without further ado, the winner of the USW DGC was Kristen Tatar, who dominated the final three days for a clean sweep of all the majors this year. She won every single major. There are four majors. She won all of them. By several strokes. Um, kind of ridiculous, just her complete dominance. And before we just talk about her, cause I do have some things I want to talk about re- regarding Kristen. Um, this tournament was just so fun, like I said. The regulator was so cool. It's very challenging. I loved how challenging the course was. I loved that it was new. And I definitely think the more time that these women spend at this course, if they continue to come here, which I hope they do, that we're going to obviously see them start to figure the course out. But like uh, the two hot geese, uh, Erica Stinchcomb and Madison Walker, we're talking about on Jomez, you know, it's not often – that pros come to a course like this never having played it before, and so we were really getting some first impressions and some uh, seeing these professionals really have to learn a course as they go. And so it was very very cool. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. At the same time, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm weird for thinking this, but especially on a four day tournament, but even the three day tournament, round one. It's kind of hard to watch because it's just one of those, like, unless somebody has some catastrophically bad round, it's it's fun to watch. You see the course, you see the players play, but it doesn't have a lot of suspense and everything yet. And round two on a three-day tournament is way more exciting. Round two of a four-day tournament is a little bit of the same. Yes, you now have, okay, here are expectations. Who shot under par, over par? How did people play? What's the course playing like? How have the conditions changed? So you have some of this coming in, but it's still one of those where it's like, okay, you can still come back from having a uh, an average round day two on a four-day tournament. But round three, and obviously round four, the final round, that's when things really pick up in excitement. Round three of a four-day tournament is moving day. People are making pushes to get on lead card, to get near the top, to simplify their final day run for the win. And so that's just kind of me. Round one and two is a little hard to watch, uh, not because of the the quality of the content or anything. It was just like, well, who who, you know... <laughs> The result is still so far away is basically what I'm getting at. So that was just me, but I watched it, still enjoyed it. It was still fun uh, to see all of that. And I just really enjoyed watching final coverage, scene. so many different players have an opportunity to win and really just seeing so much growth over the course of this season in FPO, but especially with some specific players like Henna Blomroos and Evelina Solonin. Um It is really cool seeing how they started the year, both of them fairly rocky with their putting. Evelina more so uh, than Henna, but there were a couple times where Henna was struggling with her putt as well. And it was just so, so nice to see them Uh, come so far in one season by just dedicating themselves to that craft and improving and seeing it pay off for them. That was very, very cool. Now, uh, I want to talk about Kristen a little bit here, and maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe other people have discussed this. Uh, I'm not sold on it yet, and I don't know, like I said, if I'm jumping the gun with this, but I just want to hear what are your thoughts Is Kristen Tatar the greatest FPO player ever as of right now? Okay. She's got two world championships. Last year, she finished on the podium for every single Disc Golf Pro Tour event. This year, she didn't, but she swept all the majors, repeated as world champion. Okay. Two of the greatest seasons. Now, I definitely think no one's going to argue this span of two years might be the greatest two-year span a player's ever had, with just the complete uh, world-class display of skill and execution and professionalism that we've seen, uh, at least on the EPO side, but probably for all of disc golf. It has been phenomenal uh, to watch. Does that make her also... The greatest ever. Now, if we look at championships, the answer is no. Because Paige has five. Juliana Corver has five. uh, um, Elaine King, I think, has uh, five as well. I think Des Redding has three. Like, there are women out there. Valerie Jenkins has two or three. Like, there are other women out there who have more world championships uh, than Kristen. But when you just talk, when you just see the way that she's done it and how it doesn't even look like she is slowing down anytime soon, you just start to wonder, (laughs) is she the greatest ever? Maybe you might say not now, but next year, the year after that, if she three peats and then four, that's a four repeat, let's just say, or even if she just wins three in the next You know, three total over the last, you know, two years and then plus three more years for five years. Like if she ends up with three world championships in a five year span, that's pretty impressive. Okay, Um, so this is more just conversation, you know, just kind of want to hear. I can be convinced one way or the other. I don't have a firm position on it yet, but as I was writing up my show notes, I was just thinking like, man, does this make her the greatest FPO player ever? And I can see why we can consider her that, but I think a lot of that is projecting into the future of what she can be and what she will do. But also, because, but you know, like projecting some of that, but then looking back and saying, okay, there's still a lot that she has to do, mainly just accumulating some of these victories. She's accumulated a lot. She's won some prestigious events, but just numerically, She needs to have a couple more maybe to join that conversation of being the greatest FPO player ever. So I can see both sides. So I want to know, what do you think? Okay, Uh, let me know in the comments. Let me know on the Spotify poll. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So now let's go ahead and let's look at the results. So Kristen Tatar, and like I said, the results were as expected, and there are two reasons for that. 1, Kristen Tatar 1 at minus 18. 2nd place, none other than Un at minus 15. 3rd place, Hanna Blomroos at minus 11. Tied for 4th, Evelina Solonen and Haley King at minus 10. 6th place, Jessica Weiss at minus 7. 7th place, Valerie Mandejano at minus 6. 8th place, we had a tie with Stacey Ronsley, Missy Gannon, and Lucky Lorenson at minus 4. What I love to see here is that tied for 14th, 14th place was still under par. So that's just really, really cool to see between the first 10 places for one through eight, technically, uh, we had a 14 point, uh, 14 stroke spread. So a pretty big spread, but this was such a challenging course and Definitely players uh, were feeling the stress of it. But overall, very, very good event. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to watch. I want to know what you think about Kristen. Is she the greatest? Let me know in the comments below. But first, let's just talk about in mentioning the upcoming tournament. So USDGC is not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend. Okay, so it'll be the first full weekend of October. I believe it's running from like October 5th to the 8th, which guys, can we just like pause for a second? It's nearly October. Like that that's just insane. I feel like 2023 just the year in general is just getting started and let alone the disc golf season and we're already entering into October. Time has just flown by and it's getting quicker every year. Um but yeah, so that's next weekend. We'll cover more of it in next week's episode. I'll just mention that if you're looking for coverage, uh, I'm sure there will be some coverage of these other events out there or just paying attention on PDGA uh, app. You have uh, PDGA Live. You have the Carolina Clash that a lot of players are probably going to stay around since um usdgc is in rock hill north carolina carolina clashes in north carolina so it makes sense to stay local you also have the mid america open and then a few other popular tournaments this weekend in the area or just maybe some smaller a tiers or b tiers that pros might play to stay fresh um and yeah and that is what is happening this weekend in disc golf i don't know of any uh Complete tournament coverage. I don't know. We don't have any Silver Series. So we'll see what happens if we got any disc golf to watch. But... Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed episode 30 of Teach Play Disc Golf. I sure did. I had a lot of fun planning this, talking to you guys about it. So to recap real quick, we talked about the elbow in disc golf, getting that elbow up, keeping it nice and clean on the follow through, not dropping it to your side. Dropping it to your side is going to cause a lot of issues, not just pain, but form issues like the things that I've been dealing with. Our disc review was a bag review today. All right, sponsored by Squatch Disc Golf. We reviewed the lore. Really like this bag. I think you will too. If you are looking for a new bag, check it out. And then after that, we talked about the USW DGC and just how cool it was. We talked about Kristen Tatar. And I really, really enjoyed talking with you guys about all of this stuff. It was a blast. I hope you enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and let's wrap this show up. All right, I teach, play, disc golf. Our our mission is to teach people this wonderful game that we so enjoy. I played with a couple uh, new people last weekend and it was a blast. Some of my buddies who are still within their first five rounds of disc golf got to play with them and it has been awesome teaching them disc golf. So I wanna encourage you, go out, Take someone new who has never played before, teach them, show them the ropes, or just give an encouraging word to someone online who needs some help with some stuff. Teach them that way. Make sure that you yourself get to go out this weekend, play some disc golf, have some fun, get some exercise, and enjoy it. That's all I have for you today, everybody. Until next time, have a great round.